0: but what i've learned over time is when you write people off you push them further into their echo chamber Uh, you are one less voice on the other side that they maybe get to feel love from experience that you're a real person experience that you do really love people you're not some crazy person with you know the worst intentions that they maybe are told this other side has or whatever Um, And so one of the practices I'm in, and I do think it's a holy practice is seeing the best in people. Um, How do I uh, see the best in people and see them as image bearers of God who have
1: full value and full worth yeah defund the church rebuild the kingdom ain't no doubt time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out yeah let's come together ready for change now is the time we are one unit that is under god let's put an end to the racial divide Uh, i gotta scream it out louder let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up bringing unity in the community and keep the holy spirit all around us Yeah. yeah defund the church let's go I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective, and I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Pastor Justin, we have a very um, interesting topic. I always say that interesting topic. I think they're all interesting. But before we get into the topic, let the listeners know why they should be listening to Defund the Church. Well, Frank,
0: thanks. Uh, I think the conversations that we have here are ultimately something to just say, Hey, uh, the church has avoided certain conversations, especially as we kind of launched this podcast around, uh, racism, uh, being something that the church for a long time has avoided to have conversations about to just say like, Hey, if we're not going to address some of these necessary conversations, um, and spur on conversation. We are in different places on these in the church, and acknowledging the diversity of the of the community of Christ. Um, but ultimately, that uh, without discussing these, having a conversation about what it looks like to be Christ-like as we live in this world and as we um, are the bride of Christ in this time, uh, we we hope to have those conversations here, and ultimately to just say um, we want to be a part of a church. That ultimately is not putting its priorities on money, on, you know, fame, on any of these other things that the church for a long time has placed its priorities on power, you know, whatever else. Uh, We want to be an authentic community that's willing to journey with people, have the rough conversations, and ultimately grow in love toward one another through it. And so that's what Defund the Church is about. And that's what these conversations are about. Uh, Frank and I are going to get it wrong a lot of the times, but that's part of us. Uh, being open to have these conversations is that you also got to be open to getting it wrong. Sometimes So we have humility in that, but ultimately you get to come join us and, uh, and yeah, comment, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, you, you, you have the opportunity to give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it and we'd love to uh, dialogue even with you. If you have some questions or concerns, or maybe even a topic you'd like to hear us cover. Uh, so that's kind of the heart of this. And uh, every once in a while, we pick a new topic and we just kind of talk about it in relationship to something the church maybe isn't talking about or something that needs to be talked about. And obviously we just came out of a political season, so politics has been uh, something we've discussed quite a bit pre- uh, recently, so.
1: Yeah, thank you, Pastor And so That was that was a very good um, entry entry into the podcast, and tonight, as, as I alluded to before, we're going to talk about, um, you know, interesting topic regarding the election, which you just mentioned, um, and what's interesting is not just the election. Now, obviously, we're recording this. It is, uh, you know, November 18th. And so the election has happened a couple of weeks ago, but it feels like it's anything but over. Um, And certainly while the, the result might be over, the, the the effects of what's going on um, appear to be just fresh, fresh wounds. And what I mean by that is I wanna get into with you is, yes, we knew the country was divided coming into the election. And we figured that the result, whatever it was, wouldn't unite the country, but it feels like the body of crisis also split um upon this election. I've seen people on both sides saying, well, if you voted for this side, then there's no way you can be a Christian. I've seen both, you know, both either, you know, Biden, you voted for Biden, there's no way you're a center baby killer. If you voted for Trump, how could you? He's a immoral, reckless man or whatever, whatever the lines might be. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about what are the steps for the church to get back to healing? Because regardless of, of, you know, who you voted for or what you necessarily feel politically, I think that it would be a mistake to think that God is, defined only solely in American political category. So just share what you think the path is for healing for the church in this season. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good, Frank. I think uh, the, the first thing I would say is um, it's going to take some time. And the reason I say time is because uh, maybe people listening to this and maybe even you, Frank, can think of a time when you were very emotionally invested in a competition of some kind and you lost. And maybe you even lost pretty closely. Uh, And um, uh, the feeling of being kind of gutted when you lose, you know, that gutted feeling of like, oh, I was so close. Um, Or uh, that feeling um, of just could've, would've, should've, you know, whatever, those kind of feelings. take time to process and recover from. It's a process of grief, you know? It's when you watch the, the junior high kid lose his mind on the b- basketball court because he lost a game. It's like, uh, these are these are moments that we go through in life when we lose and, it, and it's hard. And so I would say there's elections across the board. There's friends of mine even that ran locally that lost. And um, it's a process to, to, to grieve that. Um, And, uh, and so I think some of it's going to take time because you don't respond well when you're walking off the basketball court and you lost the game. You just don't, you're not responding with perspective. You're likely overly emotional. So the idea that we're somehow going to immediately um, heal, I think is denies the fact that we're also emotional beings and we have these emotions on top of that. We did not get election results the night of the election. This was an unprecedented election in that we had so many mail-in ballots because of coronavirus. And therefore, it elongated the process of losing and winning. Um, And therefore, it, I think, made it easier for misinformation throughout, made it easier for um, concerns about the election security, things like that to come about. And ultimately for people to get attached to the potential of conspiracy theories and such. And so now you also have individuals who, um, instead of accepting that they have lost, they now are saying the refs rigged the game. And that's why we lost. And instead of, you know, just the reality that they lost. And so that makes it hard for unity to happen after the fact, because when you feel like something's been stolen from you, you're not going to unite to what to who stole something from you. So. I think those are all very dangerous themes in, in, in the reality of where we are today. You have people grieving, which is fair. Uh, and I, am just going to say this, uh, you also have people celebrating, which is fair. Um, both of those are, are, are fine things. I think those celebrating need to be cautious that uh, maybe cautions, the hard word, not, not the right word, but I think they need to be aware that, um, celebrating is fine. Um, maybe understanding that they do have friends, brothers and sisters in Christ who, uh, who, who might interpret that, or especially if they, uh, they just need to be cautious not to rub it in their face. Cause I don't think that promotes unity. I don't think that's even, um, necessary in any way in this time. I do think if you're celebrating because policies that you believe are going to make the world a more just place, a more peaceful place, a more Christ-like place, even, um, are going to be in place that's reason to celebrate i'm with you um i think being very cautious though to put all your hope in that um because we don't put our hope in policies that policymakers make we put our hope in jesus um, but we can see the value of good policy so that's just kind of laying out the landscape here like recognizing there's emotion it's still high and we also have a president who has yet to concede and doesn't look like he's going to concede at any time a, a current president so um I have some concerns about that. I think that's unprecedented in our history. Um, uh, we just, we, there, there's some real concerns in that place of um, process and the potential for, um, for that to elongate the disunity and make it even worse is what I guess I'm trying to say. So uh, I, I just want to encourage those people who um, are listening to this to recognize that like, It's one thing to say, hey, we want to make sure this is all done right. We even want to recount certain things. We want to do things. But we need to be very cautious about the potential for uh, what this might do in harming people in, you know, uh, not having a peaceful transfer of power. These are the types of things that destabilize governments and regions. And I, I don't know. I'm very concerned about that personally. Now, I say all that to say. For the body of Christ, let's keep this centered on the church, not politics. I mean, it is politics and the church. They're both. Um, one of the things I'm in the practice of doing personally, I have friends that are Trump supporters, um, and it can be very hard for me to, um, to interact at times, especially if we talk politics, right? So one of the things I've tried to do is to um, really try to see the best in that person, I might despise their politics. I might say, well, i don't I don't understand how you could say that, how you could think that. You really have not had experience with that community that you're saying that about, or you really, you know, I could find all the reasons to write that person off. Um, but what I've learned over time is when you write people off, you push them further into their echo chamber. Uh, you are one less voice on the other side that they maybe get to feel love from, experience that you're a real person experience that you do really love people you're not some crazy person with you know the worst intentions that they maybe are told this other side has or whatever um and so one of the practices i'm in and i do think it's a holy practice is seeing the best in people um how do i uh see the best in people and see them as image bearers of god who have full value and full worth um and so Uh, I think that's a holy practice and I think it's a Christ-centered practice. So one of the things that I think would build unity, and this is for both people, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, all across the board, is I I want you to really think about the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus enters into a town, the worst of the worst person that he could eat with was Zacchaeus and he chose to eat with Zacchaeus. It It was an honorable thing. To eat with Zacchaeus like it was it was saying it was giving him honor to eat with him like it was saying he was worthy to eat with him as a rabbi Jesus would have had multiple Pharisees Sadducees all kinds of different people in high places powerful places that wanted to eat with him Uh, people that aligned with his views on things would have wanted to eat with him and this individual has been extorting money from people and wants to eat with him the greediest person in the community and then through that meal, through that shared experience, through that looking at Zacchaeus and seeing the best in Zacchaeus, um, Zacchaeus comes to repentance, comes to see the error of his way, and not only the error of his way, but he literally says he's going to repay everyone that he's ever stolen from. Like, and then even kind of it's reparations, even he says he's gonna go above and beyond, like, and so. His heart really changes and it affects his uh, his policy. Does that make sense? And so I, I, I think there's something to be said on saying, it's clear when we look at Facebook and Twitter, yelling at each other doesn't change people. I can't think of anyone that I've made a snarky comment back to or given them an article to read or told them how wrong they are or told them, well, that's just not true of my experience and you just have a limited experience. I literally can't think of anyone who's changed. I I can't. I mean, it's just not happened in my experience. Um, Maybe you have a different experience, but that's mine. Um, I do have a lot of experiences of being very um, gracious, compassionate to people and having them really, really surprise me. Uh, And so I think we should All kind of pause, show each other a ton of grace and expect the spirit to move in a way that might surprise us. Um, But I think that's only going to happen if we try to see the best in one another, even um, as truth is kind of eroding in our world right now. (laughs) Frank, what do you think? what are What are your thoughts on how we get back to some semblance of unity? Also, recognizing the church has always had disunity. There's not a there's not a season of the church throughout history where we didn't have disunity. I mean, that's why we have how many hundreds of denominations right now, right? So, but what do what are your thoughts?
1: So, you know, the, man, thank you again for laying just a, a great groundwork on. Just you said something very true, which is, you can't you can't unite with information um mm-hmm. i think i think that's something that we make a mistake of and i've made the mistake of i can tell you i've done that where uh four years ago I, you know i um i'm not a, i'm not a trump supporter um and i was rem- i remember sharing articles like you know there's different articles written about you know electing a man of his ilk or whatever i thought of that meant and you know i shared them not necessarily with a person but i may share them on my facebook or whatever and you know what was i really looking for you know in, in doing that, i was looking to affirm my own or you know like i said deal with my own grief of what happened but you know four years later um being you know maybe on the other side of it um i'll say this i i, I was led to romans 14 and i've read romans 14 a bunch but god was just like you need to read it, so i'm gonna read it i'm reading from the this version and it says welcome welcome all the lord's followers even those whose faith is weak, don't criticize them for having beliefs that are different from yours. Some think that it is all right to eat anything, while those whose faith is weak will eat only vegetables. But you should not criticize others for, not, for eating or not eating. After all, God welcomes everyone. What right do you have to criticize someone else's servants? Only their Lord can decide if what they are doing is right, and the Lord will make sure that they do right. That was, you know, Romans fourteen one through 4. And what I want to do is I want to reread that. I want to substitute something in verse Mm 3. It says, but you should not criticize others for voting Republican or not voting, or for voting Republican or for voting Democrat. After all, God welcomes everyone. What right do you have to criticize someone else's servants? Only the Lord, their Lord can decide if they are doing right, and the Lord will make sure they do right. So I think what Paul is saying here, this is about people who were under the law eating food. Um, Some people were eating everything. But I think that what I've seen that's bothered me most is people saying, well, you're not in the kingdom. You're not a Christian if you do this. And I think that's a big mistake because what it's saying here is some people have the faith to say, man, whatever this platform is, I don't care who's on it. Pro-life is such a big thing to me that that's just what I'm going to go with no matter what. And that's fine. And then some people say, you know what, that is important. I understand that is something that God doesn't like, but there's other things, other ministries that I feel like I'm called to that this other platform may support better. And so we struggle in that area, thinking that we as Christians need to fit into an all or one voting block, And I think that's a mistake because, um, there are, as you said before, there are faithful Christians on both sides, and there have to be, because how, how else can the witness get out? If all the Christians are on one side or the other, who's gonna be the influence? Where's the transformation gonna come from? If you've got everybody over here on the right saying LGBT is wrong, abortion people, if you had an abortion or thought about having an abortion, you're a sinner, you're this, How is how are they gonna have a witness to those people, right? Like, I think what we've really messed up is we have in, 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 in all cases, not even just party, but just as Christians, in know, we have re, we have reintroduced the law as Jesus. Mm. And that's a mistake. We, we've forgotten about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Mm. We are saved, you know, by grace through faith, you know, so that no one may boast. We've forgotten that and we've replaced that with, well, if you believe in Jesus, you do these things. So you're basically setting up a new set of laws, a new set of standards that nobody can hold up to, because that's why we have the new covenant with Jesus. So mm. that, we don't have to hold those things up so that you know any sin does not condemn me and i think that we have got to get back that we have got to get off the platforms of labeling what clear christianity looks like and who god is because if we could define god in the context of any system or any, any party or whatever it is, whatever sphere you want to do, then he's no different than any other thing, like a B- Buddhism, like Confucianism, like It's he's just a set of teaching, a set of rules that you can live by. And we're saying this is the almighty God, the alpha and the omega, the one who sent his son, um, to, to die for us. Um, who, you know, if you understand, you know, like and Jesus is God, right. And the, as, as it came as a man, Um, though, and though God did not die, the body died, right? So we could be redeemed. Those are like important things. Those are the things that doctrinally we should be understanding and talking about as Christians and not arguing about the political party who we voted for, because I think that to think that we can bring righteousness through a vote is a mistake. I think it, I think, I think it is stewardship that we should vote, but I think we're mistaking that with being righteousness and imputing righteousness into my vote. That's not the same thing is you, we don't do that with anything else. We don't people, Christians they watch different movies. I know some Christians say, I don't listen to secular music. That's OK. But I don't think anybody thinks that people aren't who listen to secular music who say they're saved or they have the fruits. Nobody's going to say, well, you're not saved because in secular music. I think that's a choice. And I think that we have to have the same respect extended to politics like, hey, you may not, you know, watch those kinds of movies. you may not do that. And and that's good. You have a conviction for that. Let's not judge those who have a conviction for certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think we've really just gone off the rails with that and I think until we kind of get back to that understanding in, in Romans 14, we'll continue to have division and I, and I understand that the church has always been divided. but what I, I guess what I'm saying is I've I, in my lifetime, I haven't seen it like this yeah and and that's what's concerning because it's not over salvific doctrinal things. it's over temporal, things that that really in the consequence we talked about some previous podcasts have no more consequence eternally to, to god than than the outcome of a football game now i understand it's not the same thing as like you said policy policies like that but what i'm saying is yeah this is just a data point god is not saying wow the 2020 election that's going to be a referendum on who i am yeah. um this is a referendum on who we are and so this is a test for us to walk back from this so mm. i just wanted to kind of you know leave with that I, I, yeah. I, I feel like that's where my heart is right now
0: yeah i think the uh you say some really good stuff there i think i think the the interesting thing you say is that politics is what's dividing us what's so funny and and, and it's what we're building this new law around right we have this like new law and so a lot of people are like you know uh god country guns you know whatever like like we have like and 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 i'm I'm obviously using a republican stereotype but i guess i'm saying like these stereotypes in my experience are becoming more and more prevalent and part of it is a christian nationalism uh which is one thing um which is uh, by the way on both sides it's republican and democrat um mixture of god and country um But it's also this this idea that certain values are what what lead. What's interesting is these aren't values that Jesus emphasized. I find it fascinating. If we're gonna create a new law, let's create a new law around what Jesus said was actually life and death issues. Like when you see your neighbor and they're naked, that you clothe them. Like, do we not remember the sheep and the goats? This is a teaching of Jesus. Like when you see someone hungry, you take care of them. Cause when you see them, you see me. What Jesus is saying is when you see that person, you see an image bearer of God, an image bearer of God means you should be able to see me in that person. It should be no difference than being different than being in my presence. Even though you're not, even though being in your presence, Frank, as cool as that would be, it would not be like being in Jesus' presence. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, uh, the spirit of God lives in every individual, Like the image of God is there because they are a created being. Therefore, they should have full value and worth. And to see them naked, hungry, in jail. By the way, he doesn't say in jail because they're innocent. And it's no in jail. They might be guilty, but to not go visit them, to leave them alone, to leave them in isolation when we are communal beings. No, you can't do that. Go visit them because when you visit them, you're visiting me. And so what I find fascinating is that we're not building a law and a rule book based on what Jesus emphasized as a life or death issue. Because by the way, that story is a life or death story. That is a life or death reality. Jesus says, uh, <laughs> there will be those who are the goats who are like, we never were with you. And he's like, well, every time you were, you denied that person, you denied me. And then like that story does not end well for those goats. Like I- I'm just saying like, but we don't emphasize that we emphasize other stuff. That we've decided, um, you know, is, is the breaking point, whatever those things are. And I could obviously go into a ton of those things that quite honestly, scripturally, are not very sound theologically. And certainly Jesus didn't reference as much as he referenced caring for the least of these, which... Uh, in his inaugural sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he mentions multiple times. And throughout his ministry, he modeled and mentioned multiple times. And then during the sheep and the goats, he modeled and mentioned. So, like, this is an emphasis of Jesus, and we're not doing it, or at least we're not codifying it the way we codify other things. And that's the disappointing thing, is that what we do choose to make these legalized moments um, you know, one of the things you could go read is the, the 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 seven woes that Jesus says to the Pharisees, and one of them he says, "You you've you've chosen um, the the law and forgotten the prophets," and he's like, "You should have done both." He's like, he's 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 like, "You you you're choosing these these small things and emphasizing them." It's like you should have, you, you should have given that the a tenth of your income, sure, like you should have tithed. We should have also cared for the needy. Like, why, why are you emphasizing this and not this other one? These are, these are connected. There's a connection here. And so, um, I think anytime we begin to emphasize a law above, um, grace, we are we're, we're in a dangerous place, but if we're going to do it, let's at least do it with something Jesus emphasized. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds crazy, but let me just say this to, to kind of wrap this up. Cause I think this is, it just popped in my head. I had no intention of saying this, um, but I'll, I'll share a story because it's a funny one and it makes me laugh. So um, so we have this guy in our congregation a while back uh, who uh, who is like uh, NRA sticker on the back of his truck, you know, um, uh, just that that kind of guy. Just think that kind of guy, whatever your stereotype for that kind of guy is. And we did uh, Peace Week, a four part series on peace, and we wrapped it up the fourth week. Um, cause by the way, we're, we're, uh, we believe in nonviolence peace tradition in our, in our church. And, uh, and not, not everybody believes that it's not a prerequisite for being there, by the way, it's just something that our, 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 our faith tradition is. And, um, and so we have a lot of people who are in that faith tradition anyway. So we, so we did a week on that and we talked about the differences and we talked about that on the last, uh, Sunday of it, we had, um, a woman from Philly. Because uh, we're in Pennsylvania, uh, from Philadelphia, who uh, who had lost her son to gun violence. She would actually lost her father to gun violence and her son to gun violence in Philadelphia. Um, so, so, so this woman has experienced some serious trauma. She was she was a young child when her father was killed, um, and then her son was killed in a mistaken identity uh, by um Some people who were looking for someone who had messed with them or whatever. Anyway, it was a whole whole mess, and and thought this was the guy, but it wasn't. It, it's just anyway. So she, she shares her story, and she's obviously become an advocate for um, for gun reform in um, these communities, and and less access, at least a better better um, tracking of guns, better uh, background checks. Just trying to to, to say hey guns are here that's fine but we need to make sure there's a process because she 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 shares a story of how uh she went to the store and within 15 minutes got an ar-15 and just talking about how like it should it be this easy like you know what I mean? anyway so she shares her whole story her whole thing talks about it two weeks later me and this individual with the nra sticker on the back of his you know <laughs> this is a guy right that i'm sitting here thinking oh man he wants to get breakfast with me this is going to be quite the conversation after peace week i'm sure he's got because look, as a pastor, your email box after those kind of weeks or, you know, any, <laughs> it can be rough. Let's just put it that way. Pray for your pastor because who, who knows what he's experiencing or she's experiencing as uh, they, they maybe talk during political seasons or things like that. Because uh, pe- everyone wants to, you know, send the email and have the meeting and, and, you know, even rip into you from time to time. So that's part of being a pastor. So I'm expecting to walk into that. I walk into this meeting and he's like, so yeah, man, that peace week was something, wasn't it? And I'm still thinking like, oh man, what does he mean by something? Here we go. Like, you know what I mean? He's like, man, her story of how she lost her dad and how she lost her son. It was just, it was just so tear drinking. He's like, I went home and I got rid of all my guns. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I was like, "What?" I, I couldn't believe it. He got, this guy got rid of all of his guns. And look, that wasn't like her ending of her speech. Like, go get rid of all your guns. Like, that wasn't what she said. It was, wasn't some, like, it was just more like, Hey, we need to really think about like, and I'm just like, it reminded me the power that we have is connecting with one another, sharing our stories and allowing the spirit, some space to move in there. to to give less directives of go do this. You have to do that. Like, um, look, whenever I tell my kids they have to do something, they're more likely to rail against whatever I tell them they have to do. I think it's better for me to model how how we live and what we do. Does that make sense? Um, And so I think what does it look like for us to be models that graciously meet people where they are and ultimately just say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a witness to what I feel convicted to live out in my life. And to the extent that I get an opportunity to invite you into that, I'm gonna do that graciously, not judgmentally. I think, I think that is the tension we're living in. And I wanna be clear, uh, that's, that's a sacrificial tension because often there are issues where lives are on the line. Like racism in our world is a, is a real thing. Um, policies that are hurting people are a real thing. Um, so I'm not saying that that decreases the value of something. I'm saying this is us taking up our cross. This is us serving self-sacrificial love for, for one another. We're sacrificing something. And ultimately that's something that I think Jesus models well for us on the cross. What it looks like for us to, to sacrifice in love for one another. And so I, I tend to cling to that story. When I get very hopeless about disunity or when I get very cynical about the state of things, because I still want to have hope that radical change is possible in the lives of people when we are gracious and often when we share stories, when we share stories, there seems to be power in narrative. Um, And, you know, of course we should know that from the scriptures. So, yeah, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth, listeners, if that's something that uh, that that encourages you, that inspires you um, to have some hope.
1: That was great, man. Um, I just want to say we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I think that's mm. that's that means something. Right. You, yeah. you read these verses and you're like, oh, yeah, it sounds good. But then the actual application, when it happens, you see it. So, uh, you know, that's a great, great point. Great place to stop I me. Mean, obviously, we could continue. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is, you know, we need to, um, as we always say on the show, you know, you, we have to walk in love in this season. And, mm. and and even if it's a time where you feel like you just can't engage, it's okay to not agree. But don't let that ruin your witness right now. If you feel like you're scrolling through your timeline or you're going wherever you're going and you're seeing things that are causing your you know, heart to jump or you to react in a way that's, that's not godly, just remove that from your life for this time. I would just, you know, recommend that just... Because there's gonna, this is gonna be over at some point. Some kind of this is gonna be resolving, and life is gonna move on. And this is gonna be part of history, whatever the outcome is. And and just like anything else in, in life, this this is not the end of the world. I know that there's, you know, a lot of speculation about that. But but be, be careful of getting caught up in that. In that, from from a standpoint of just be ready to have an answer. Um, as, as the pastor's talking about, you know, when you're when your end comes whenever that is, that's the end of the world, right? Whenever you meet, whenever you leave this earth, that's the end of the world, right? For you, that's all that matters in context. So just be prepared, um, and 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 then don't lose your witness in this season, because I think that God is going to do a mighty work. But right now, um we we are not allowing him to work because we um you know have our very strong opinions, which is fine, but we can't let that filter into uh what we're doing with God's work. So I just want to thank all uh, listeners out there. We we really appreciate it. Again as pastor said earlier, give us a rating, uh five stars preferably we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, all other major podcast platforms. We encourage you to subscribe and share with others. These are great conversations to have. We don't have all the answers, but we're starting the conversation and, and these are things that we have to be able to deal with, I believe to be um to produce the fruit that God wants us to in the, in the next season. So, again, we want to thank everyone for listening. We love you guys, and we'll see you very soon on another episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podweek, and other podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com, where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom.